some great stuff there from South's head coach, Todd Dammers, an interesting insight into how the Magpies are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. But for a slight change of pace, we've got a special guest this week. He's a former Reds and East great, Ed Quirk, who he's back from Japan at the moment, and he's currently in isolation in a Brisbane hotel. Quirky, how are we, mate? Yeah, so it's good, mate. Um, trying to keep busy in here, uh, racking up some Ks, having a bit of a wander around the room and, and having a peek out the window in the other rooms to see what's going on. So just um, getting through my time uh, pretty much halfway and or six or seven to go, and, and then it'll be good to get some fresh air, mate. Mate, you've obviously spent a lot of time in hotel rooms throughout your career, mate, travelling around the world, but uh, this will be the first time, mate, you've actually had to spend two weeks straight in there on your own, mate. It's certainly a different experience. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, uh, especially with the Reds and the Sunnies, we, uh, as you said, racked up a lot of travel. So, uh, look, I'm not a real big hotel man anyway. I, I like to get out and about and, um, you know, either like in Africa, go to the casino or out to restaurants or having a beer and stuff. So uh, this has broken me a little bit being in here, but it's a good time for some uh, reflection, a self-reflection. I've got uh, Saya playing below me, uh, making a racket, and uh, Seth um, is just down the hall. So uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird situation, but look, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm looking into other rooms that I can see in and there's young families and stuff. So I've definitely got a good band by myself in here at the moment. Uh, could have uh, kids and, and stuff running around in here doing my head insights. So, uh, look, it's not it's not too bad. And, mate, there is a bit of a familiar contingent all sort of within isolation at the moment. You've mentioned um, Sayers below. You've got Seth Fagazi in there. Um, I think it's, it's Michael Bond. That's a, that's a former Brothers player who's over in Japan who came back with you guys as well. Yeah, Bondi, yep. Bondi's down the end as well. So we're all on uh, uh, level five of lockup. So I'm inmate 505 and I think Seth's inmate 509 and Bondi's 512. So we just stick to using our, uh, our, our numbers rather than names at the moment. So <laughs> uh, look, to be honest, and even having Sayer, old Soggy Biscuit down, uh, down below, it, uh, well, we're all in like a little group message called the quarantine crew. So we... Um, yeah, we yarn most days and and pick apart the food and and what's going to be coming for lunch and dinner and and a bit of a laugh on um, yeah some tough times and what what blokes are getting up to and who's got a better view and so forth. So uh, makes the days go a little bit quicker. And yeah, mate, you've got one of your former SNC coaches in quarantine as well, mate. Sean Yoshiura, he's uh, come back from Suntory over in Japan, mate. Is uh, is Yoshi potentially offering you guys any? Uh, isolation training tips or anything like that at the moment mate <laughs> no there's there's been uh, zero noise coming from yoshi's level um we uh we live in the same building in japan uh there in tokyo so we see suntory and and we're with canon so um he's been dishing out tips to samu and uh and gits and shawnee mcmahon and the boys to keep them fit and healthy so i think the canon boys have got the uh, raw end of the stick to be honest um he hasn't hit me up once, so uh, he can beat it as well. <laughs> Let's have a word to Yoshi, mate. He's uh, his first uh, loyalty mates to the Queensland boys. Yeah, um, exactly. And mate, you mentioned there, obviously, um, coming back from Japan, you guys are based over with, with Cannon Eagles at the moment, mate. Um, coming back sort of relatively late in the piece, 
after the sort of the quarantine rules that were set in place by the government where you've actually got to be isolated in a hotel. Walk us through, mate, sort of the last sort of few weeks, mate, over in Japan where trying to stay across news, whether that's yourselves as the Aussies in the squad or the Kiwi fellas, how things were changing and then the ultimate decision to um, to get on a plane and come home. Yeah, obviously there was um, oh, look, there was a, a lot happening there. Uh, I think the hardest thing was, uh, you know, with the top league, it's, it's run by the JFIU, but you're also you're almost fitting under the company banner as well. Uh, it's not sort of a generalized decision. It's, it's completely your sole company based. So, uh, you know, the Canons and the Suntories of the Kobe's, the Panasonic's and all Rico and that all had different ideas on what to do with their, um, their foreign players. So I think that was the hardest thing to deal with. Um, you know, speaking to other players where some guys were getting granted to go home and, and some weren't. So, um, we just had to wait to hear what the the union itself had to say with the JFIU. And uh, we had two weeks off there for the coronavirus at one point, and then it sort of slowed down, uh, mainly because of the Olympics and the impact that that was going to have on, um, you know, revenue in Japan and all that kind of stuff. So they wanted to sort of keep that, that momentum going, really. And then, um, unfortunately, there was a, uh, a bloke from Hino, a Kiwi fella, uh, was done with uh, cocaine in his system. Um, so he was arrested and and that. So then that was a bit of a, a spanner in the works with everything that was going on with the sickness because then it sort of turned the, the focus of the JFAU onto that illicit drugs sort of scandal to sort that out. So for us, uh, it sort of went from, you know, we're looking like we're going to get to go home to, to having to stay and do sort of some drug compliance stuff and and that which was you know which was understandable, um, and that but probably the hardest thing for me was I sent me my wife and and my young one home uh, early Feb just because I didn't really know what was going to be happening with borders and stuff and you know there's probably a lot more help at home with both of our families living in Brizzy than than it was in Tokyo if it was to get shut down so oh look this with the drug thing and the the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff, that sort of went on for about eight and a half weeks for us of ups and downs and meetings. And we ended up having to go to individual training at Canon and, and the pros uh, had to go in in the morning and get their training done at some point. And then the, uh, the company boys had to go in in the afternoon and get their stuff. So um, it was just a matter of having to wait for uh, Top League and JFIU to make a call and they uh, they made a call on the season uh, pretty late in the piece. Um, oh look, you know the Suntory boys, Shawnee McMahon, and and all all that got were able to come home very early, uh, and they missed that window of um, hotel quarantine. So that was uh, that's playing up a bit to see them, um, you know, out in the sunshine and all that. But look, uh, we had to do the right thing uh, by our company there at Cannon and. And uh, it turned out to be the right thing. Uh, we've been very lucky that Canon have backed us uh, with our contracts and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we've, we had to do, me, Bondi and Seth had to do a 50-51-hour uh, haul to get uh, in back in directly to Brisbane. So if we touched down in Sydney, the embassy told us we'd go 14 days there, fly up to Brizzy and do 14 again. So 28 days, I, would have, um, I wouldn't have been in a good state. So... We flew uh, Narita 
Tokyo to Doha in the Middle East, had 21 hours there at the airport and then went Doha straight into Brisbane and jumped on the bus and went straight to the hotel straight in here. So she's been a long, uh, like long nine weeks, but just looking forward to getting out. Mate, definitely, um, you know, crazy times and a, and a crazy experience to, uh, I suppose that you'll probably look back on interestingly in, in, in years to come, mate. But, you know, you mentioned your wife and kid there and I understand she's expecting as well, mate. Um, that must add a whole different element, mate, to the whole scenario with the pandemic. It's one thing if you're over in Japan playing footy on your own, mate, but to have um, your family there, mate, and have to think about their health in the long run just definitely adds a, a scary element to the situation as well. Yeah, that was probably one of the main things. It wasn't, uh, yeah, as you said, it's it's not me over there just running around doing rugby and, and you know, can afford to push the boundaries a little bit. I have to take into consideration the... Uh, the wife and and the young one uh, and, you know, expecting now as well. So it throws a massive spanner in the works in regards to health and stuff. So that was probably the main reason why we said, look, best best calls are probably for you guys to shoot home where, um, you know, if anything does go wrong that, you know, you've, you've, we've got Australian healthcare and there's no, uh, there's no language barrier that we've got to try to break down and, and work that kind of stuff out. So, it was just at the cost of me having to stay there for a lot longer. Um, and the, probably the hardest thing with me was uh, day by day, things are changing as they still are. But, uh, you know, hearing about like the flight statuses for Qantas shutting down and, and look, you know, my scenario is nothing compared to people losing jobs and, and, and people still stuck overseas. But just from a personal point of view, it's, um, you know, Qantas flights shutting down and borders closing and potentially not getting home till May was was a bit scary for me because, look, if something happened to either one of them or or the new one on the way, if there was some sickness, there was no chance of me getting home to help. So, um, yeah, it was well, mentally pretty tough, but uh, it was just going day by day and, and trying to come up with uh, scenarios and, and ways to get home and, and ways to get through it. So... Uh, we worked our way through nine weeks and uh, coming to the back end now, so it's going to be pretty cool to um, to catch up with them again. Yeah, mate, we'll definitely, um, you know, something to look forward to in, you know, sort of six days' time when you get out when mate, and you actually get to see um, the family again, mate. But, you know, you mentioned when we, when we first spoke um, about getting you on the pod, mate, that, you know, you've had family and friends here in Brizzy, mate, who've been pretty severely um, impacted by the scenario, mate. Um, talk us through... Um, some of the sort of scenarios and, and how you've seen um, them sort of struggle through these sort of initial stages. Yeah, uh, as I said, one of the one of the lucky ones contractually with a with a year left there with Canon, and uh, as I said, just had to do the right thing by the company and all that, and so we're very very lucky with that. But um, you know, I've got brothers who are tradies and old man's out on the wharf and stuff like that, and obviously a lot of stuff with you know super's been affected and. And uh, there's hardly any, or not hardly any work, but there's there's not a lot of work going on there. So got my brother helping uh, out doing a bit of a reno on my house there. So trying to help out in any way we can. And um, but and and also guys in regards to footy too, all around the world, uh, ex players that we've played with at the Reds and all that. And I've got a couple of mates that play in the AFL too. And uh, hearing about uh, you know all these pay cuts and uh, guys going out having to look for for new jobs and stuff like that, you know, it's, um, 
yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting scenario. So, uh, and it's terrible. I just hope that um, it sort of all, you know, weighs itself out really. Uh, and it's, it's not too, it's not, it's look, it's, it's going to be a tough time no matter what, when it, when everyone comes out of this, but uh, I just hope that there's some real good work out for people and, and the government still sort of sticks to what they're doing with in, re, in regards, in regards to helping people and stuff like that. So. Yeah, man, well, still definitely, you know, within Australian rugby, unclear what the back end of this sort of stuff looks like, which is, um, you know, a scary scenario to think about. But, you know, for the moment, it's uh, trying to press on and come up with some, some content to keep people engaged. But I suppose from a Japanese point of view, mate, um, you know, you were over there last year. You got to see how massive the World Cup was over there, how it was well it was received and from everyone that I spoke to that actually went over there as a spectator, a player or, you know, a referee in in the case of some of the Aussie blokes that went over and refereed, they couldn't speak more highly about the event and the people and how um, just a massive celebration of rugby it was in such a positive. Is it a shame to see sort of that positivity and the hype around rugby in Japan sort of quelled? Um off the back of the off the back of the event through sort of no fault of, of anyone at Japan rugby or, or any of the super league teams. Obviously this is a completely different um scenario that no one's really got any control over. Uh yeah, it's um yeah, like uh just uh going back to the the World Cup stuff, it was uh it was amazing. I was lucky enough to go to a heap of games and you know, went to a semi, went to a quarter and went to the final. So, uh, look, I've, I've been a part of J- the Japanese system now for five years and, and I've been able to see it grow from that first Summers game that I was lucky enough to play in and, and just to see where it was, uh, where it was going. So, uh, the Japanese fans themselves are absolutely unbelievable. Um, they, they really are, you know, I've spoken, I've done a couple of uh, interviews and, and stuff about you know you get gifts after games and when I uh, did my knee you know the the outpour of of, of gifts that were rocking up to uh, my home and at Canon and at training and and people just like sending well wishes and stuff like that so they they really care they're they're really uh, they're fanatical in a way uh, the fans and just to see how much they got behind in the World Cup uh, one of the games that stuck with me was uh, uh, me and the wife and the the young one got to go to the Scotland. Um, the Scotland Japan game, uh, the last pool game that Jimmy Moore gave us tickets to, and uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the people um, were singing both anthems, um, you know. So they sang the Japanese one, obviously with their with their uh, their national anthem, but then they also practiced uh, and had the Scottish anthem on paper to also sing and and show respect and to show support as well so like that just goes to show you how much they actually just really appreciated the rugby there was no um ill feelings towards uh you know the team or or anything they were just there to support japan and just support rugby so quirky mate you you mentioned respect there in terms of how they sort of support the game and, and show their support for the opposition as well i think some of the most compelling footage that we saw was um, some of the crowds in the different training bases where different teams were based sort of learning each national anthem and singing that, like Wales in particular, had a massive reception. 
Um, it's just, it's something that you don't see, I suppose, within Western rugby countries, that sort of level of, um, you know, shared respect between the teams. You know, we're definitely like, you know, we'll host teams and get around them and stuff like that. But you're not going to catch Aussie standing up and singing the the NZ or the South African anthem at, at Suncorp. Yeah, um, as a yeah, th- that's that's spot on. It's uh, it's crazy uh, and how fanatical they are. But just to reiterate, they they literally just really appreciate the that the Welsh team was there training, uh, you know, for the World Cup and embracing Japan. Like that's um, that's literally it. There's actually not too much to it. And and we found that with the Summers that uh, we had like groups of a of a hundred that you know we play the bulls in pretoria um you know probably one of the most dangerous places in the world and there would be 60 some Wolves fans from japan that had flown there just to watch the game and it was just it was awesome you know just and you'd see them at the airport and you'd you'd thank them you'd just say thank you so much for coming to support and they'd just say no like thank you for playing for the team like we we just appreciate that you've come to Japan and you're giving it your all and you just want to play for the team and that's enough for us. So um, you can almost say they're very easily pleased, but uh, they just, you know, they've really, they really embraced rugby. They, they were sort of, um, they, to be honest, the, the Japanese public aren't really too knowledge, knowledgeable about or don't have too much knowledge about rugby itself. But, um, you know, the, the promotions and... Um, what they did leading up to it to sort of get the, get people understanding the game and, and all that. And then uh, they won fans over with the tournament. And that's why you saw they were just keen to watch rugby and support both teams. And they knew there was going to be a winner and a loser and, and they were just happy to go and support a team. And, and it was really good that just Japan pretty much made it all the way to, um, to those quarters. And, and it was just, um, it was just really cool to be there. It was also cool to be a part of the lead-up, you know. Uh, I don't think that could have happened without uh, Japan being in Super Rugby and all those Japanese players not just playing top league but getting upskilled and, and playing a lot of Super Rugby, playing the best teams, playing internationals and, and getting them ready ready for what uh, what was about to happen at the World Cup. So, again, it's disappointing that the sun the Sunnies weren't sort of saved in that way and, and I understand there's going to be a lot of restructuring going on with World Rugby, but... I hope there's a, uh, a pathway for one or two Japanese teams because a lot of people ask me about top league all the time and it's awesome. It's it's fast. It's hard. Uh, everyone's fit. You know, that's why the best players in the world are looking to come. No, mate. Well, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, there is some sort of uh, Japanese representation moving forward in um, whatever sort of Southern Hemisphere competition we have coming our way once we get through this COVID-19 scenario. And I suppose being a, a club rugby podcast, mate, um, we should reflect in terms of, you know, the Sunwolves have obviously provided some opportunities for some other guys, um, you know, especially some Tigers, mate, from um, our own club. So guys like Jimmy Moore obviously gone on to play for Japan and then someone, mate, who, you know, you obviously would have played some footy with back in the day, Michael Stolberg's actually playing yeah, super no. rugby, mate, for the first <laughs> mate. time this year and killing it. Awesome to see Stolly. That was uh, that was one guy who's really put the time into uh, Aussie rugby. Uh, he was in the academy for how many years and and played his days out at East, you know, like year in, year out, playing like good rugby. 
um, you know, and did his time. I remember he was working as a groundsman uh, there at Ballymore for years and literally mowing the lawn at lunch and then having the boots on training on it in the afternoon, like just really did his time, uh, one for Prem Rugby and two for for Queensland um, and just never never got that opportunity. And then you look at him for those first four rounds of Super and he was in team of the week uh, every week and he's had the highest metres and offloads and a couple of tries there and stuff. So, oh, look, it just goes to, you know, it, a bit massive credit to him. Like, persistent pays off. And um, I think, look, now, say for him and Jimmy, two good East boys, you know, uh, Stolly's definitely, uh, what I've heard, he's in the mix for all the uh, international stuff for Japan now that he's he's done his time there. So there's two young guys that are, you know, just starting their international careers that didn't really get a go in Aussie. I suppose that's the beauty of rugby, mate, the, uh, the international game. But i tell you what, man, I felt really – I took this great photo of Stolli in the Red Sunwolves game, taking a line out close to um, the Reds' line. And I reckon it'll look really good on a big print. And I'd love to give it to him as a present, but I'm like, I don't know if that's a game he actually wants to remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, watched 60 minutes of that and then I sort of I got a bit, uh, yeah, it was a bit much. So, oh, but look, mate, to, probably to him, you know, the um, I had a real good chat with him and we got to share a, a couple of cold ones after the uh, the game in Fukuoka where the Summers beat the Rebels. So, and I just, um, I just said, I just congratulated him and just said, you know, um, good on him for just sticking it out because anyone else probably would have hung the boots up and or thrown the uh, thrown the toys for not getting a go. And um, I would have said, mate, all that work and all that time sitting sitting your ass on the lawnmower and in the heat has all paid off. So like you know, and and he's captain of Kintetsu. So you look at that full three sixty. He's he's actually captain in Quadi and Will Genya there at the moment. So um, that's just uh, that's what I love about rugby. You know. You got Stolly, who never got to go here, and and now he's captaining two two of the the best Wallabies, uh, you know, to date. So that's just uh, a full rugby circle right there, I reckon. Yeah, mate, it's definitely a great story, mate. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, we speak a lot about Dane Zander and the Red Squad this year as someone that you know played third fifteen at Nudgee a few years ago and yeah. has worked his way to get through to the Reds this season, you know, someone that people never would have expected to get there. And, you know, Stolly's obviously probably followed a much longer path than seen him travel around the world, but, you know, he's got the benefits at the end of it. But um, I suppose, man, he's one of the the old guards from East, mate, that um, you would have played with sort of back sort of at the start of the decade, mate. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the Tigers, mate. Obviously, you played there for a long time before you sort of came through to to get your Reds debut and, and sort of came back and played there after some rehab and things like that, mate. Um, how much of the Tigers been a massive part of uh, your rugby journey, mate, and how connected do you still feel to to the club? Yeah, massively. So I, I played, played me junior stuff at the Mighty Muddy. So, you know, they did a lot for me growing up and, and obviously had to go to a bigger club. But um, uh, the thing for me... Uh, you know, being in the Reds Academy and and doing a bit of sevens and all that, I, I had to uh, I had to choose a club, and I heard from a I heard from a fair few um, few clubs just on on coming to them, and I, I remember my uh, my meeting with East with uh, Paddy Richards. Um, he said, "Mate, look, I don't know what other clubs are talking to you about. Whether it's you know you get a car or uh, or they can hook you up with some work or a bit of coin on the side." But he said, "Mate, all I can uh, all I can promise you is that the beers are cold." straight after the game and 
and the uh, and the bar's full uh, with a bunch of good blokes that you can ever be with after the game. And mate, that's all we can do for you. And I just said, perfect. So um, I said, let's go. And I, I met a really good bunch of blokes who were who were at the club and uh, who were going to the club as well. You know, Aiden Tower and uh, James Charolumbus, who was in the Reds Academy with me at the time. And um, yeah, they just said, look, East is just unreal. Good family club, good club. Um, they love to have beers, love to throw some banter, and there's some just good hard footy played there. So that was sort of that's the way that when I was younger was what I enjoyed, you know, playing hard rugby and just hanging out with some good blokes and having some beers. So that was that was enough to to sell me. And yeah, and as you said, I um, obviously was playing a lot of Super Rugby and 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 went back to the club. But I'd always made sure, you know, I helped out with the sevens there for a while while I was injured and and practice coach, oh, not practice, but uh, helps coach uh, the seven East Sevens team there for a while. And um, look, I've always been massive on giving back to community rugby, uh, whether it's the young young kids and always try to get out to Redlands every time I'm home to do something. And uh, it's without the the community rugby, it's you know, the Reds and, and then up the chain, I believe, doesn't really work. So, and there's just good people at, you know, at these clubs too. So I just, I've just met some really good people at East and I just haven't had really a reason to go to another club or not. My oldies, uh, they still go down to East on weekends and, and watch games and drink beers. And, you know, I haven't played there for six years. So, um, you know, that sort of goes to show what, what East is like, uh, Especially through my family as well. If mum and dad, dad, dad still goes down and scums free beers off people and throws some heckles. So, uh, yeah, oh, and there's just and there's good young kids coming through too. So, oh, look, who knows at the at the back end? I I, I sort of like what Benny Mullins done. Um, just he's come back and he's just playing for Tigers because he's he's in a similar boat as me. He he just loves the club and he's a very experienced player and. Um, and he's just slid straight back in. I, I uh, spoke online with him a couple of months ago and I just said, mate, it's awesome you're back at the Tigers. And he just said, mate, there's no reason for me not to come back and play and, and enjoy the young fellas and enjoy the beers and stuff. So I'll probably be in the same boat in a few years. I was going to say, mate, that was going to be my next question is, uh, would you like to have the the Tigers swan song, mate, like uh, like Benny? Because I'm, I'm thinking back and I'm thinking the last game you would have played, mate, would have been the 2015 GF against South, and I'm guessing there's some uh, unfinished business business there. Yeah, well, that was up on uh, the Reds Live the other day, was it? Yeah, mate, rugby.com.au, you replayed that one. Yeah, I uh, I watched the first half and uh, didn't watch the second half, but it was pretty uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Moore was playing in that one too, and um, obviously Chrissy Sortier uh, just lit us up. So. If there was anyone who was going to light us up, I was happy it was him. And yeah, there probably is a little bit of unfinished business there because I've still got um, Bowie, old, old garbage mouth Robinson. Um, he still throws some heckle about uh, that year and, and stuff. He didn't even play the game. He just ran the water. So uh, when they won, I think he sprayed me in the face and, and was tucking in the runs after. So not that I'm going to be able to get at him, but look, I... I, I think when I retire um, from professional rugby, I think there'll still there'll still be that drive to still beat the body up for at least one or two years when I come home and and have feet up, or I'll be uh, or I'll, I'll be I'll be definitely sitting in the stand throwing tins and and throwing some heckle. But um, 
yeah, it would be it'd be awesome to come back and just play some local rugby. You know, that's uh, that's something I've always been about as well. So, well, even if it's not prem grade, mate, you can come back and play some fourth grade games, mate. Yeah, <laughs> mate, I'll take anything. I don't even know if I get a start in fourth grade at the moment with the way I've been playing. So, mate, we'll uh, we'll welcome you with open arms, mate, for sure. <laughs> mate, perfect. If the beers are cold, then it's all good. <laughs> we need something to actually get through to the bloody final, mate. It's been a long time. No, coming. that's it. It has. <laughs> it has. I agree. I agree. Um, mate, obviously, the rugby season worldwide, it's, you know, as we said, like, there's not a lot of clarity around where we're going to head, both in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, mate. You know, in an ideal scenario, mate, what would you like to see happen within, um, I suppose, you know, Japanese rugby and super rugby and, and sort of club rugby here in Brizzy before 2020 comes to a close? Um, oh, it'd just be good to see it all start back up, really. Um, just pending if everyone's all good and all safe. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. Just because every every competition in the world uh, in regards to sport in general has just been smashed. So probably from a rugby point of view... Um, It'd be good if if some oh look if if super doesn't go ahead I've I've been hearing sort of all that stuff happening in New Zealand and and uh, what there potentially could be I'd love to see you know all the Wallabies uh, all the super players everyone just go back to their local clubs and and they sort of be an Australian Championship that way and, and get back to grassroots rugby that would probably be my my startup thing just uh, pumping revenue back into the local clubs and and watch the juniors thrive and all that kind of stuff, you know, you'll have majority of of your club players, you know, integrated with Super and with a couple of Wallabies running around week in, week out and and have your your Queensland, Sydney derbies and your Melbourne and Perth. I know a lot of it will come down to financials, but from a viewing point of view, I reckon, you know, a lot of people would like to see that. Um, and, you know, because that's just uh, sort of what, what I've heard, what potentially could happen in New Zealand with those ITM Cup teams. They'd want all the Super and all the All Blacks guys playing in that ITM Cup comp, and I reckon that would be awesome, you know, if Australia followed a similar path. Um, oh, look, for me in Japan, I, I'd just like to see the top league back up and running, and and I believe that there's room for maybe one or two Japanese teams uh, within a league somewhere, whatever whatever comes after this year. Uh, just with with the way that the Japanese rugby is going and and the um, the momentum that it's got, and the players that are over there too, uh, it's probably something that could happen. I think so. I'd like to see. Look, I want to see Super back up and running. It's an awesome comp. Um, it'd be awesome to see the force come back in and and get back to the old days where everyone was banging it out. So, uh, but probably my 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 main one would just be. You know, it'd be awesome to see just one Australian comp just just go ahead if it could. No, definitely, mate. I think you know, no matter how we get out of this, hopefully the positive is that there's some definite benefits in there for club rugby, as you mentioned. Whether that's uh, you know the likes of your Liam Wrights and your Harry Wilsons running around in club rugby, or if it's you know potentially some some more broadcast stuff coming our way because we get club rugby up and running due to border restrictions. You know, I think there's definitely some some positives there, but mate, to to finish on, on a high note, obviously you've been been stuck in a hotel room for a while, mate. I'm guessing you're trying to uh, stay entertained via Netflix or Stan or some movies or something like that, mate. Um, what are some potential recommendations you might have, mate, for for some viewing for folks to check out? Um, 
Oh, look, uh, the other boys there—they're big gamers, mate. I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't game to save me life. So, um, so I, look, I wish I was because you know that's pretty mind-numbing at times. But no, uh, mate, I actually haven't been watching too much. There's, there's been some uh, Matty John's live stuff and some podcasts that I've been having a laugh at, and um, mate, I've just been on the blow to people really. And we actually had a Reds reunion uh, from the 2011 crew on Zoom the other day, so. Uh, got some beers delivered uh, up here, and uh, just knocked back a, a couple of beers and caught up with the boys, and and then it sort of flowed on to some more individual chats uh, after it. So that's sort of, sort of how I've been entertaining myself, and I work out in my corner of an afternoon over on the tiles near the door. Um, I watched a bit of Tiger King because it's uh, that's real loose loose show. Um, I just sort of wish I branched it out a bit more and could and did an episode a night, you know, to drag it out at least eight or nine days. So um, that was pretty all time, uh, pretty loose show to, to see that stuff happening. So I'm after some more cringy stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I haven't really been watching too much. I'm a bit of a doco man, really. So I've just been punching some of that in and, and just speaking to family and, and friends and just chewing the fat, really. And, oh, look, mate, it's pretty mind-numbing here and, I did a 8K day yesterday. I just wandered around the apartment uh, with some music on. So she's a pretty sad, sad time in here, but she'll all be over soon. Well, mate, uh, mentioning Tiger King, you can guess what the first theme club night is going to be back at East. Oh, mate, um, oh, looking looking back on the uh, back when I first got to the club in like 2007, eight, I was sort of rocking similar hairstyle then, and I did have a little mo. So. Um, I was way before the time of Tiger King. I wasn't as grubby as him, but definitely swung that way a little bit. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's an it's going to be a all time theme night uh, once this is all back up and running, and that'll probably be the good thing about once this all shuts down is, you know, every man and his dog's going to be keen to watch some footy and and head down to the park, and you know, if there's some local games on, you know, they'll they'll probably pack out just because everyone's sick of uh, sitting inside. So. As bad as it is, it might be a good thing in regards to rugby here in Oz. Well, mate, I'll make sure I get you some photos of the McMillan boys because no doubt they'll nail the costumes. <laughs> oh, mate, well, hopefully our season hasn't started up yet and I can just be a spectator and uh, slither my way into a club night. Lovely. Mate, I did hear about this, uh, the 2011 Redside uh, Zoom catch-up the other night, mate. Um, I suppose that's sort of an example, mate. You know, you think about, uh, you know, mental health during these times, mate, just how important it is to stay connected. Um, with everyone, albeit be it virtually, just you know, twenty thirty minutes on the phone to to someone that you'd usually see that you're not getting to see, mate, can uh, you know make a big difference in your day. Yeah, that's it. I've been lucky that um, all uh, all my brothers sort of ring up and and I chew the fat with the missus uh, most days, and um, and that mate, I've just had some uh, also put out some calls, but had some really awesome calls from from people that you know haven't spoken to in ages and or or I do on a regular basis, so. I chat with Gilly probably every day because they're going through a bit over in France uh, at the moment with their lockdown, and and I've been speaking to Frizz as well over in Scotland and and stuff like that. So, uh, mate, it's it's actually been um, it's been a good time to really connect with people. You know, as you said, it's uh, the world of social media now. You can just like someone's photo, and that's almost that's almost enough of of a conversation. But it's actually caused people to um jump on the blower and and FaceTime and Zoom and stuff like that to um, chew the fat. Had a couple of beers with Andrew Reddy the other night, uh, just over Zoom. So it's, um, I, I think, well, I hope it continues with the uh, 
all the yarns and that that uh, everyone's been having the last few months. So I'll definitely I'll keep it going. No, well, mate, it's probably a bit of a different world to uh, the usual short, sharp conversations we're used to having with people. So I thought I've got a plan whenever I make a phone call to ask someone one thing because it turns into a 30, 40 minute chat that you weren't <laughs> expecting. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, um, oh, look, it's not a bad thing that those combos drag out. Look, I've been five years speaking Japanese and listening to Japanese. So it's actually good to, um, to, uh, speak some Aussie lingo and some, some English. Well, I don't think you've lost your accent, mate. So that's a positive. <laughs> no, the uh, yeah. Well, my um, Japanese Australian, as they call it, um, yeah, really catches the boys off guard. But yeah, yeah, can't change that overnight. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, mate, thanks for joining us this evening, mate. It's been uh, definitely interesting to, to you know hear your story, mate, in terms of having to to make the rush home and getting a bit of insight into to how things have been uh, impacted over in Japan, mate. So so thanks for freeing up some time. No, mate, easy as any time. Hopefully uh, anyone listening that probably going to be a good podcast to put them to sleep so they're not even going to get to the end of this. Oh, mate, hopefully everyone at Tigerland, mate, will give it a listen. Yeah, that's all that, that's all that matters, mate. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Well, thanks again, mate, and uh, much appreciated. And, uh, mate, enjoy the time that you, you get with your family here in Oz, mate, and um, best of wishes to, to all of them as you, you come out of quarantine, mate, in a few days. Cheers, Saucy. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. No, thanks, legend. Catch you next time.